Hello listeners and welcome to the Afriweta podcast where we look to celebrate African history by telling our story. As always, our hope is that it fills you with enough curiosity to go and do your own deeper research. Please visit us on social media across all our platforms, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is at Afriwetu, where we shall be posting interesting facts, stories and links for further studies for you lovely people. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I do hope that you will enjoy our trip back in time and please keep tuning in as there is so much more to come. So today's civilization is the Kingdom of Zimbabwe with a special focus on the capital city, Great Zimbabwe. So now just sit back and enjoy the journey. Come with me as we enter into the Kingdom of Zimbabwe into the city of Great Zimbabwe, where we find the Shona people busy building the famed stone buildings, otherwise known as Zimba Zimbabwe, spelt D-Z-I-M-B-A for Zimba, Zimbabwe, D-Z-A-M-A-B-W-E. It is AD 1100. Look around to see the markings of the settlement of the Shona, who came to this land that is flourishing with no less than 10,000 people just going about their business. Look up to see the height of these city walls built without mortar, seemingly reaching the sky. They're the highest in the lands for miles around. You can almost hear the clanging of iron and stonemasons' chisels and feel the intensity and focus as they build these magnificent walls that last for centuries. As an aside, there are two main theories as to where the word Zimbabwe originated. One is from the Zimba Zimbabwe, which I mentioned earlier, which actually means stone buildings and refers to the stone walls used to separate and surround the houses and kraals in ancient Shona settlements. The second theory claims that Zimbabwe is a contracted form of Zimbabwe, spelled D-Z-I-M-B-A hyphen H-W-E, which means venerated houses in Zezuru, a dialect of the Shona, and is usually applied to chiefs' houses or graves. So, which do you think it is? Let us know on our social media handles. Let's go back to Great Zimbabwe, to the 11th century AD. And as we walk through this ancient city, see the many impressive monuments around you. Notice the citadel, or otherwise known as a hill complex, and imagine yourselves feeling the breeze from way up top. Now look down and you've been jolted back to reality. And you see the Shona people who have marched in, bringing a new culture and this material called iron. And with it, the new development and era that is the Iron Age. So as we come down from the hill complex and head to what they have built, this huge tower and surrounding wall where the royal family and the elite will hold court, 
It's about 11 meters high and is today known as the Great Enclosure. This structure is seen as the potent symbol of the prestige and authority of these rulers. Touch and marvel at this, the largest ancient monument in Africa, south of the Sahara. Many centuries later, these walls will speak for the descendants of the people, showing the world their claim to how advanced their ancestors were, instilling a sense of pride in their heritage. So it is important to understand the significance of these stone walls when it comes to really understanding why it is that these ruins mean so much. As we shall see later, they are a blow to the then claim that Africans were not advanced before they met the Europeans. In relation to the governance of Great Zimbabwe, um, we've gone back to the city and we have jumped to 100 years later and it is now AD 1200. So the city is at its height, busy with traders as well as those who have come to worship the supreme god, Mwari. As with the Shona, this is actually a monarchy. And we see the king, the Shona king, looking over his kingdom from the citadel, a kingdom which he controls as far as the eye can see for thousands of kilometers. His rule is strengthened as he lays claim to his spiritual connection with the spirits of his ancestors. And if you look closer, you'll see the rulers of the smaller settlements coming to bow and give homage to their spiritual leader and king. Who says you need a massive army that conquers lands when you have the spirits on your side and no one can argue with that and risk getting cursed? And as long as the people are flourishing well, then who's dare going to complain? And speaking of flourishing, let us look at why. One word, trade. This capital city, Great Zimbabwe, is buzzing. And on one side, we see the farmers who have brought their sorghum, millet, pumpkins for trade. And on the other side, we see the abundance of gold, ivory and copper, amongst others. People are getting ready to send these over to Sofala all the way on the east coast in modern day uh, Mozambique. At least six hundred kilometers away using the Limpopo River and its tributaries. Gosh, just imagine how long that journey will take. But the wait will be worth it, for the Arabs, Indians and Chinese pay a good price in barter for these goods. The traders tell of how they see exotic luxury goods like Chinese Ming porcelain and carved glazed ceramic goods from Persia, modern-day Iran, and metal ornaments from West Africa. Centuries later, the evidence of this trade is found at the ruins, where archaeologists uncover, amongst other items, a 14th century AD Arab coin, some 13th century AD Persian pottery, as well as mentioned before, the porcelain and glass beads from China's Ming Dynasty. Truly, this kingdom, like its predecessor, Mapumbungwe, is evidence of a globalized economy. So my people, just take a moment and think about it. We are so excited today about globalization. And here are these people of the 13th century, doing so without the benefit of planes, trains, and automobiles. 80s film reference, shout out to those of you who got this. Here was the evidence of a comprehensive trade network during the 13th and the 14th century, both in and out of Africa. So, the demise. Now, we go back to the city. It's around AD 1450, i.e. the late 15th century. 
and we find that the number of people in the city has dwindled. The kingdom is in decline, the Shona have moved on, there are rumors of two new civilizations being formed further up, north, one of them called Mutapa. But why leave? What has happened? Why do the Shona people go? It seems so strange. Well, everybody has a theory, because as you know, everyone is an expert, right? So, one, we have those who argue that the gold ran out. Two, we have those who say that the reason is that the links with the coastal trade ceased by the second half of the century. Three, others say overpopulation and the problems caused by it, such as overworking the land and therefore deforestation. It also didn't help that there were a series of droughts exacerbating the whole situation. So which to believe? To be honest, all were actually true in varying forms. So it depends on who you want to believe to decide the actual cause. I tend to believe it was a combination of all the above over a number of years. In fact, later, the people who were left behind were then conquered by the then Debele people in the 19th century AD, who then formed the kingdom of Matebeleland. Please go further and read about it yourself. So, where is this modern location? So today, the ruins of the city of Great Zimbabwe are about 30 kilometers southeast of modern Masvingo, a four-hour drive south of Harare. They are on a high plateau between the Limpopo River in the south and the Zambezi River in the north. The stone ruins include a palace, a cone-shaped tower, and several circular enclosures. They are the largest of over 300 Iron Age stone sites in the region, which today covers modern Zimbabwe and Mozambique. The location still has spiritual significance for the Shona, and some of the ruins still play a role in religious ceremonies. Great Zimbabwe was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in AD 1986. See what I did there? So, in summary... The city of Great Zimbabwe was largely abandoned, and when the Europeans arrived in the late 19th century AD, for no other reason than simple racism, if we're going to be completely honest, refused to believe that such a place was built by Africans. And this led to the most ridiculous explanations for the ruins, like for real. So from wandering Phoenicians, who are the kin of modern-day Lebanese, then it was thought to be the legendary city of Ophir, King Solomon's Mines, then it was believed to be attributed to the Greeks and the Egyptians, or at the very least some European influence to have built the city. To be honest, at the rate they were going, all that was left was that the aliens built it, just so as to deny that Africans were this advanced in their stonework and culture. Sometimes it really is a lot of work to be in denial than to just face the truth. Oh, and P.S., this went on until the 20th century, folks. Yes, then the one that was just 20 years ago. But... Thankfully, with the help of modern dating techniques, archaeologists have been able to disprove these arguments and expose the truth. Africans, and Africans alone, were responsible for building this astounding and complex city. As a quick aside, to the parents and guardians out there, please, if the child in your care wants to study things such as history and archaeology, let them. Can you see how their education can help in dismantling what looks like an obscure argument, but which actually undermines a people? but once corrected, enlightens, and gives pride of place to our story. The city of Great Zimbabwe has been described as one of the most dramatic architectural landscapes in sub-Saharan Africa. It is the largest stone complex in southern Africa built before the modern era. 
The original builders carved the stone bricks so expertly and without using mortar. The ruins are largely intact and they have been isolated from the modern-day threats of pollution and urbanization. In the late 19th century, numerous soapstone figurines, which are about 16 inches tall in the form of birds with some human features, were found in the ruins. This Zimbabwe bird later became a national symbol and is incorporated into the Zimbabwe flag and shown in other places of high honor. This ancient city stands as one of the most extensively developed centers in pre-colonial sub-Saharan Africa and stands as a testament to the organization, autonomy and economic power of the Shona peoples. Thank you very much for listening. I do welcome all feedback. Please do visit us at Afriwetu on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You could also send feedback through our email address, afriwetu at gmail.com. Or you could leave a voice message on our anchor page, anchor.fm forward slash Afriwetu. And here ends our journey to Great Zimbabwe. I do hope that you enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Mubarikiwe. Yeah.